Good morning. Aren't you glad to be here? Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, Pastor Avery is still on vacation, and I told him to get out there and enjoy it and have fun with his family. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm sort of glad that 2020 is coming to an end because 2021 has got to be better. And so, you know, so I, I don't know about you, but I'm really not one much for making New Year's resolutions. You know, because I guess I'm lazy or I break them or I get about two or three months into them and just kind of let them slip by. But I thought after looking back on 2021, I mean 2020, for 2021, what, what am I going to do to really enjoy the year? Or what do I want to do that draws me closer to Jesus? Well, I thought and I looked back at who are the people that influenced my life. And when I think about that, it was my parents, my mom and dad, and my grandparents. Now, I have a family picture here somewhere if they'll show it, that's my crew, you know, so we got together over Thanksgiving and I got that picture taken, and I know that uh, I'm boring you a little bit with my family, but I had to take some privilege here since I don't get up here very often to show you this picture, but I look back and I said, who are those that influenced me, which I said were my parents and my grandparents, and so what did they teach me, I thought, and so when I think about my mom, and she's 95 years old, and she taught me to pray, pray without ceasing. I mean, she prayed for everything. It didn't matter what happened. If she lost her car keys, she prayed for that, you know. And, and so uh, it was constantly that she prayed. So I looked at my dad, and what did my dad teach me? Well, my dad wasn't a rich person by any stretch of the imagination, but he taught me to be generous. I'm telling you, he gave to anybody in need, whether he had it or not. And my dad lived till 92 years old, and when he died, you know, when, you, when you're 92, very few people come to your funeral, to be honest. I mean, all your contemporaries are pretty much gone. But his funeral was packed. And it just amazed me of how many middle-aged and young men that were there. And I gave the eulogy of my dad, and I talked about the ten things that he taught me in growing up. Now, I'm not going to go through those now, but when the funeral was over, those young men and men came up to me and just cried on my shoulder. And I, I was just astounded because he had made such an impact on their lives just by being generous of his time, of his talents, and his treasure. And people appreciated it and loved him for it. And so I looked at my grandmother, and my grandmother Kelly, as we called her, that was my mother's mother, and uh, her husband had already died, and I never got to meet him. But she taught me to forgive people. Didn't matter what they had done, forgive them. And so I looked at my grandfather, and, we call, and he was George Locke. He married 
my grandmother later in life because my grandmother had, my dad's mother, uh, uh, he died when my dad was eight years old. So back then, you know, they didn't have insurance and all that, and life was pretty tough for them. And so uh, eventually she remarried this man named George Locke, who was just a great guy. And he taught me to accept people just the way they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. Don't try to change them. Just learn to live with them. And he accepted that whole family. In fact, I'm named after him. And so then I looked at my, uh, my grandmother, which we called Grant Locke. That was his uh, wife. And she always told me to represent the family. And not just the family, she told me, you're a child of the king and act like him. Because see, sometimes I didn't do that. I didn't act like him. And she needed to remind me. And, and I loved them all dearly. And I looked at what they impacted on my life. And so I began to think, okay, if I were just to do those five things for 2021 my life would be better. And so I thought for a moment, and then I remembered what our new pastor, Dr. Jared, told us. Dr. Stevens Jared told us. And you remember he said that he wanted us to really just fall in love with Jesus. And so I thought, well, that's what we need to do. That's what I need to do recommit and just fall in love with Jesus again in my life. Now, our scriptures today uh, comes from Romans 10, 14 and 15. But before we get to that, I want to show you verses 9 through 13. And if you have your Bible, if you'll just look there. And the verses 9 through 13 are really a message of salvation. So let's read it. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, I have always said that getting saved, you don't have to really go do anything. You have to accept the free gift of salvation. But what you have to do in Verses 9 and 13, it says you just have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. And it says everyone who calls upon him will be saved. How easy is that? Pretty easy, isn't it? We don't have to go do anything but accept this free gift and we can be saved. Now when you look at this, next verses... Paul asked a series of four questions. And really, it's our responsibility 
in this salvation opportunity. And look what he says in verse 14. How then will they call upon, call on him in whom they have believed? And how will they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone sends them? And if you look at these questions that he asks, one of the things that we must realize is there must be proclaimers of the gospel. When Paul asks those questions, how can they call upon him if they've never heard? How can they believe if they've never heard? See, we must have those proclaimers. Now, when we look at this word here in this scripture, it really talks about heralding the good news, proclaiming it, to publish it publicly, to tell others about what the good news is. See, people can't be saved unless we tell them about it. You know, Oswald Chambers said, if I am a Christian, I'm not set on saving my own skin, but on seeing that the salvation of God comes through me to others. That's a pretty powerful statement when you think about it. That he's interested in others getting saved. You know, in a sense, we're all preachers. You know, we all need to... Comp to proclaim that death, burial, and resurrection, and that Jesus is coming back. That's proclaiming the good news. You know, you can proclaim the good news no matter what you do. Whether you're out going to work, whether you're shopping, whether you're just on vacation, whether you're just going... It, Anywhere, right here in Northwest Houston, there are people that haven't heard the gospel and you need to share it, whatever you do. You know, I love to travel, as y'all know, in the United States. And a couple of years ago, I went with my daughter and we went out camping, in which, you know, to me, camping is when you stay at the Holiday Inn, not necessarily in a tent, but I stayed in a tent with her and so we, she goes, Dad, you've met everybody in this park. And she says, you just talk to them and you find out about what really their spiritual condition, where they go to church or if they go to church. And she was just amazed, you know. And you just talk to them just in just whatever's happening in your life and you ask them what's happening in their life. Well, we came upon... This young man, and he was in his 20s, and he was painting a picture right there in the park, you know, of the mountain scenes. Well, I went up to him and talked to him, asked him about the picture, and I asked him, how much do you want for the picture? Well, my daughter said later, she said, Dad, it wouldn't matter what he said, you were going to buy that picture, weren't you? And I said, well, yeah, I was. And so we, we made a deal on how much... And so he said, well, I'm not finished. I said, well, just bring it to us tonight. We're, here's where we're camped. 
Well, later in the evening, it was getting much darker and later, and we were enjoying the beautiful skies and the stars. And I thought, well, he's not going to show up. But sure enough, he did show up. And uh, he goes, well, I almost didn't come because I dropped this picture face down into the sand there. And when I picked it up, it had the sand on it. And I said, that's great. It's got Utah right there on the picture, you know, the actual sand on the picture. And so we got talking, and I asked him what his relationship with Christ was. And you know what he told me? He said, I'm a heathen. I thought that was pretty honest. <laughs> Think about it. Well, I shared with him a little bit, you know, and he did not accept Christ. But see, my job is not so much to see that they accept Christ, but just to share the good news. And we can do that so easily. See, these scriptures say we need proclaimers in order that people come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, you may not be able to go on a mission trip or B, you think you, you can't go places because of, you know, it could be financially, it could be health, it could be you got kids, it could be job, it could be anything. But you still have a responsibility to help those that go. You're a vital part of praying for our missionaries. You are a vital part of giving and supporting them. You know, think about NASA a minute. In the space shuttle. There's ten, seven to ten astronauts. They get on that shuttle and they blast off. And they circle the earth. And they come back and they get all these accolades. And, and people just applaud them for all they've done. But they couldn't accomplish that mission if it wasn't for all the people right here in Houston helping them. They couldn't do it. You know? And, it's, and just think about it. Once they lift off, I mean, somebody has to either program the computer or press the button for the, you know, the ignition and off they go. I don't know how it's done. But here's the thing. They can't go home then. They have to be with them while they're in flight, until they return, until they're safely in their beds. They're the support group for that successful shuttle flight. You are the support group for those successful mission endeavors. Whether that's a mission that we send out or whether it's some missionary that you know that you support, that you pray for, your prayers can do great things for them. And you mustn't forget that. See, they're the senders. I mean, you're the senders. They may be going and proclaiming it, but you have just as an important a job. You're critical to the mission. You're critical to the mission. You're critical to this church to support our mission endeavors. You know, so look at, at this. What are the results of proclaiming and sending? And it says in verse 10, it says, It is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And let me tell you, 
I think that that New Year's resolution, when you look at it, is just to begin to share the good news. Tell what Christ is doing in your life today. And when you're in communion with him, and when you're in reading your Bible and in prayer, God has a way of speaking to you. And he's going to give you that opportunity just to have a conversation with somebody. You don't have to expect that they're going to come to know him. Your job is just to tell. And if they come to know him, it's really kind of icing on the cake. You know, my favorite story in the Bible or parable is the lost son. Or some of it say the prodigal son. And you remember what happened? That the younger son, he asked for his inheritance. And the dead divided it and he let him go. And he spent it, wasted it on unrighteous living, you might say, or whatever he did. And he be, there came a famine in the land and he became hungry. And here he is, he had to feed the pigs. And he thought, he, came, he finally came to his senses, and he thought, and he said, you know, my dad's servants, my father's servants, live better than this. They have plenty to eat. And here I am starving. So he decided to go back home. And remember what he said? He, I'm sure he practiced it many times. Father, I have sinned against you in heaven and I am unworthy to be called your son. And as he was going back and it says that in a distance the father saw him and he ran to him and he hugged him. Now for a Jewish father that was unseemly. Was, you know, he shouldn't have run toward his son. But he loved him that much. And he embraced him. And what did he do? He gave him, you know, he, he kissed him. And the son couldn't even complete his speech. Because the father had forgiven him. And what did he do then? He gave him a ring for his finger. He gave him a robe. He gave him sandals for his feet. And he told him. Told, us, told him to kill the fatted calf and celebrate because his lost son had come home. And when you think about it, that ring represented an eternal love that he had for him. That robe was a robe of righteousness that he put on him and he claimed him as his own. And notice he put the shoes on his feet, the sandals. Now those sandals, you remember that the custom for a Jewish home was that you take your sandals off and you wash your feet to go in. But see, I believe he put those sandals on him because he wanted to put him to work. He wanted him to be a part of that family. And he accepted him just the way he was and he forgave him. And I believe that that father prayed without ceasing for him. And I think that's exactly what our Heavenly Father does for us today. He waits in anticipation for us to draw closer to Him. In James, it tells us that when we draw close to Him, He'll draw close to us. 
See, I think the greatest thing that we can do is just to fall in love with Jesus and to remember that you would rather have Jesus than anything that you can. See, I love the fact that I have a Father that accepts me just the way I am. And I love the fact that I can call upon Him at any time. And so, you know, I would ask you to just draw closer to Him this year in 2021 and to say that you would rather have Jesus than anything He has to offer. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.